Welcome to an all-new episode of the Banana Nose Circus Podcast. Um, my name is Corey Richmond, joined by Harry. Oh, I'm sorry, wait. Are we talking about uh, Jeff Jarrett again? My apologies. Uh, so, actually, let's talk about AEW. Let's talk about everything wrestling. Harry, it's another interesting uh, day in in wrestling. We came off uh, an interesting, might say a better version of of dynamite this week than than last week we had a surprises when we did our first podcast with uh Cole Cabana and a, a lot of other uh entertaining surprises some might say that's my way of saying I forgot who came in two weeks ago uh but uh <laughs> but you know same formula as we've done for these first couple of episodes we're going to take a couple of topics here we're not going to go over every aspect of every show that happened in the week because you guys can watch. There are many other podcasts that do that that are a lot better than we are. I'm not saying they're actually better, but you know, it's, it's you like to say, you know, nice things about people if you can. But this week on the on the on the podcast, we're going to talk about the cash in by Austin Theory of Money in the Bank. Talk a little bit about Dynamite. Uh, came out this week that Nick Aldis uh, gave his notice that he's going to be a free agent, and as a result, Billy Corgan said. Well, you can not show up to anything else until your contract's over. Is it part of a work or a shoot? Some people may know what that means. Did about 300 episodes about that type of thing. But uh, we'll talk about that and maybe some more little things as we go along. But Harry, episode three is starting. How you doing today? I'm good, Corey. Thanks for having me again. We're doing, uh, doing good over here. And uh, we may or may not have done a little bit extra material. We'll go back and listen to see if it's actually worth putting on the air. But, you know. That, that's for us to figure out and for you to possibly hear. Or I'm just joking and we didn't talk about anything else today. Ali's not going to accept your challenge. There's two reasons why I don't have my United States Championship. One, because of Brock Lesnar. And last week in that crown jewel, I made him pay by whooping his ass all over the ring. And two, because of you, Seth freaking Rollins. But Harry, let's... Let's talk a little bit about a subject that a lot of people have spoken about over the years, money in the bank. You've had some classic moments with CM Punk and Edge. You've had some forgettable moments with Baron Corbin and um, John Cena. Yes, John Cena, one of the biggest stars in history of wrestling, had a failed cash-in. But you've had many different things, and you've built people. You know, like a Jack Swagger, now uh, Jack Hager. You you basically maybe brought another person at one point to another level when Rey Mysterio won. But this time around, on Monday Night Raw this week, Austin Theory, who has been a major subject on the people who believe on who's going to get pushed and people who won't get pushed in the post-Vince McMahon era of wrestling, we found out maybe the push isn't going to happen right away for Austin Theory. What was your initial thoughts on Austin Theory winning Money in the Bank and the fact that he had a failed occasion? Two different visions. The, the winning it was Vince McMahon's vision, and the way he cashed in is Triple H's vision. And this is Triple H's way of saying, this is my show, this is my creative thinking, and we're scrapping all the, all, all the ideas that my father-in-law had. That's just my opinion, but that's the way it looks to me. I mean, I, I think most people most likely would agree with that. Uh, 
So the way that we're going to go by this is, and we'll work in other little aspects as a result, but I'm super interested on how that segment played out. So you had earlier in the night, Rollins comes to the ring and says he's going to do an open challenge. Which if you're doing open challenge, that's usually the first sign that you might actually be a babyface now, no longer a heel. When that first happens, you had Finn Balor come out with uh, his group. And you had AJ Styles come out with his group. You had the return of Mia Yim. Great to see Mia Yim back on mainstream television again. Nothing personal against, you know, Impact Wrestling, but... It's a little hard sometimes to find them. But so you had that later on in the night. And very smartly, you know, Seth said, that's not my fight. You guys do what you want to do. And he came back out at the end of the broadcast for another open challenge. Don't worry, Harry, I'm going to let you get your points in the year in a second. But I'm just going to give an overview on all the people who are smarter than us not to actually watch Monday Raw, Monday Night Raw every week. Be my guest. Continue. Seth Rollins comes out again. On the Titantron, you had Mustafa Ali say that he was going to accept the challenge. And then out of nowhere, a super angry Bobby Lashley, or as we're calling him now, just Lashley again. I'm not sure what the, the rules are, who, who has first and last names and who doesn't. He goes and basically throws him into the wall, kills him, and he's accepting the open challenge. He comes down, still angry from Crown Jewel, which we could get into in a second with the whole day Brock Lesnar match, which... Like I told everybody last week, I'm not watching Crown Jewel. Harry did. He took one for the team. But in his anger, apparently from the Brock Lesnar situation, he basically kills Seth Rollins before the bell ever rings. So we'll get to this in a second, but I don't think the open challenge still has been answered. So that's one of the points where maybe WWE might do things to change things around here in a moment. Seth Rollins is basically murdered. Austin, Austin Theory, as the as the heel, comes down, is going to cash in. They go to commercial break. He comes back. He cashes in the money bank. They have a, like, a nice little match for a few minutes. Lashley comes down, still as a ball of rage. Kills Austin Theory. Austin Theory gets in basically at a nine count for being counted out because, you know, all the referees don't know what, what happened. Gets hit with the curb stomp. Seth Rollins wins. So, Harry, the way I'm looking at this is You've got a couple of things here. One off the bat, congratulations, me and Yim has a job again. Great to see her again. Two, Mustafa Ali went and responded to Braun Strowman's tweet in regards to Braun Strowman being Braun Strowman and not realizing, being able to recognize the room, saying, you know, how him and Omas had a 47-star, whatever he said, match. Big guys, monsters, not flippy-dippy guys. Mustafa Ali comes and says, "You could teach me how to get fired. Could this be a could this been a little bit of a punishment on the fact that Mustafa Ali looked like he was getting a bit of a push to be the next contender for Seth Rollins? Who knows? So that's that's point one. Point two, if you want to actually talk about Mia Yim, but we can talk about her maybe at another time. Point two, as a result of Crown Jewel, Bobby Lashley looks like he's turned heel." Point three, Seth Rollins, full, full-fledged babyface now. Now we have somebody who might be able to go and help Raw in the absence of a Cody and everyone else. All right, so we, we've got those. Then we got the one that makes no sense at all. 
if the initial cash in, I'm sorry, if you have a open challenge and the match never sets in, shouldn't Austin Theory just have been the guy who went and answered the challenge and not have to waste your money in the bank? I know in the moment, maybe people aren't thinking that, but I mean, now that we've had time to, you know, digest what happened, what in the world is WWE doing? And we can get to the, the, the supposed possible burial of Austin Theory in a second, but you take what you want there. We can go one by one. But what's your thoughts on what, what happened here? Now they may have built a couple of, you know, new things coming out of this one segment. It's interesting because it seemed it took up so much time on Raw, period, between the segments. Right. So maybe it was just filler time, something failed, something didn't go as planned. I would have never played it out this way if I was the one writing. But then again, I'm here with you and I'm not there. Don't worry, this will be your next step. You're going to leave me behind and uh, AW, uh, TK, as you like to call them, is going to be like, someone told me that you got, you're in a podcast, human, bear, human, human wheelbarrow left him, it's your time to leave him. I want you to be a star. You're going to my company. No, but uh, continue. One Again, I love seeing me and you back on TV. I agree with you on that. I uh, agree a thousand percent. Uh, I think it's well, well needed. Um, I can't find impact wrestling at all unless I watch it days later on YouTube. So uh, it's good to see her on live TV. Yes, absolutely agree. I, I was still kind of flustered why she, she wasn't there at crown jewel. But maybe there was some type of issue where she couldn't be there, or maybe this was all planned out. Because uh, you know, you know, or maybe it was planned that Rhea does screw over, you know, uh, you know the club, you know, and gets the judgment day to win, for it to then you know escalate on Monday Night Raw. I know I'm going out of out of points, but um, I, I I I barely keep a, a coherent sentence. You know, you're doing you're doing great. Continue. What was the first point again? Because I'm some all of a sudden having a brain fart. All right. So the first one was Mustafa Ali. Was oh, yes. Possible the idea of the fact that he went and went after, and everybody could say this is all joking and everything else, but he went after Braun Strowman and his dopey tweet. Well, I think he, he's trying to find an identity and he's been struggling. This has been talked about on multiple podcasts how. I remember hearing on Busted Open maybe about a week ago, a week and a half ago. You know, the man is uh, trying to build himself into something, and it's not sticking. Mm-hmm. You know, the you know the uh, the WWE universe is not backing him, and and every time he tries to make another step, it's almost like quicksand. He makes two steps forward, falls you know five back. Mm-hmm. I think this is a very opportunistic move. Maybe even Braun was even speaking of him. We don't know who direct. Maybe I'm wrong, but if I'm not wrong, this is an opportunistic move for you know Mustafa Ali to be able to be seen more and be able to try and get into some type of a role where he can be, you know, on his way to becoming something. So he would eventually say get in some type of a, a championship, you know, contender situation. So you don't think that this could be a a burial of a guy who for a long time, wanted to be out and then went and looked like he was the beginning of possibly being in a feud with Rollins. And then all of a sudden, when he has his chance, you go and you just basically have tossed aside as kind of as a jobber that the bigger stars just take advantage. I'm not saying that's what happened here. No, you're, 
look can. great. You know, it doesn't look great. Where a guy who looked like he was starting to get built up is basically destroyed as an afterthought. You could, if you wanted to do an open challenge, you could have had him do an open challenge in future weeks against uh, Mustafa Ali. You didn't have to have Mustafa Ali there at all. You just could have had either somebody, you know, a lower level talent, which you hope Ali isn't, which he might be, but in their eyes, someone else go and last you just to destroy. You know, the idea that Ali, who has been outspoken about what he, his thoughts on the company, wanting to be released at one point, and then basically, you know, feeling that he's been pigeonholed into a stereotype where, you know, this guy who was a cop in Chicago was, you know, pretty much a hero in his own way. And now he basically has to go beg to get time. And then when he finally does get time, He's just, you know, he's treated as a job guy for Bobby Lashley to have to, to rage. I'm not saying any of that is wrong. I think your perspective on it could be correct. I think what he's doing is he's trying to find ways to grab attention no matter what. He is frustrated. But instead of just sitting back and just waiting for his contract to run out or, you know, begging behind the scenes, he's making noise. So when Braun said something, he made that reaction to go after, go back after Braun. Hey, how do I get fired? That was a great, great direct, you know, shot. And I give the guy credit because that guy, you know, Braun could use him for a toothpick if Braun wanted him. Uh, so I mean, you know, I, but I give the guy credit. He's, he's he's got he's got balls to do so. Sure, he has every right to be frustrated that he is being buried, and he shouldn't be. He should eventually have some type of run, and it seems like he keeps falling short every time. And unlike some other talent. He, nothing was handed to him, it seems. Right. You know, he had work for, for at least that little bit that he had going on. So that, so it, I think WWE does owe us some type of ex, ex, explanation of what they're trying to do here. Because lastly, squishing him, you know, or, or squashing him or whatever, or killing him doesn't make much sense. True. All right. So, uh, and this is how you can go and take the bullet and tell us a little bit about uh, Crown Jewel. What's your what were your thoughts on a guy who I think's been somewhat of a babyface in recent months in uh, Bobby Lashley? Basically, I from what I heard, dominated Brock and then lost the match, and now he's turning heel with in frustration. What 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 was your thoughts on uh, them turning Bobby Lashley? I was surprised by it. I, I did not expect it at all. I thought it would just be like a, you know, both are decent, you know, face type, you know, match, no heat, you know, really just kind of one would get the better of the other. I believe we talked about before how if Brock lost, no matter what he was made, we've talked about that before. And I know uh, Bully Ray talked about that in the Busted Open a few weeks ago podcast. I was shocked. It was caught off guard. Um, he did maul him. He mauled him well. And Brock pretty much just kind of escaped uh, to, to people who didn't see it at home. Uh, Lashley had him in like a half Nelson or full Nelson, uh, you know, type maneuver. And um, Brock climbed up the ropes with his feet and then landed back and he got a cheap win out of it. Uh, and so that's where Bobby got really mad. That type of win makes sense to me too. If you're going to turn Bobby heel, but what I'm interested in is why turn Bobby heel now? 
it felt like you put so much into making him a face. I'm interested to see where this goes next. Because I'm still not, there's no explanation of why we're going this route. Sure. I mean, you know, I did, like I said, I didn't watch every moment of Raw, you know, super close this week because, you know, who wants to? Kidding. I'm sure people love it. Uh, but, you know, you also had two people that aren't usually on the show on this week. You had Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin have matches. They both lost. But what did they have in common with uh, Bobby Lashley uh, before Bobby won the title? They were all part of the Hurt Locker. Yeah, all the part of the Hurt Locker. Right. The Hurt Locker. Uh, good movie. Uh, but they were all part of the uh, the Hurt business. I mean, could we see maybe the reformation of of that stable of that stable together? I mean, you had Almas, Omas, you know. Uh, Lose a crown jewel to uh, the aforementioned uh, Braun Strowman in their 47-star match, apparently. Um, would you like the idea of maybe, maybe the reformation of the Hurt, uh, the hurt, the hurt Locker, Jesus, uh, <laughs> of the Hurt Business, you know, under uh, Triple H's ideas? I mean, I'm not going to say he's always had the, the best success, you know, dealing with, you know, African-American uh, stables and everything else, you know. What, what's your thoughts? Do you think this could be a nice little way of bringing back the hurt, the hurt business and maybe even having almost as a, as the heavy now MVP, they're all back together. Do you, do you like that idea or it's done? It happened. Let's move on. No, I like the idea. If this is a consistent way you want to put Bobby Lashley as a heel, I mm-hmm. think that you have to bring back the hurt business. I, it, would, it doesn't make sense to not bring it back if you're going to have Cedric Alexander and Sheldon Benjamin on Raw, like you said. So unless it's just a curveball for something else, which could happen, if I was a betting man, it seems like the Hurt Business is coming back. And I think that's only good for Bobby Lashley. Um, I, Bobby Lashley's never felt good for me as a face. He just, it's almost like he doesn't know what to do when he's a face. He just like comes out and he points his fingers and he doesn't, you know, he, he needs a mouthpiece. He always needs a mouthpiece to me. You know, even Brock is better on the mic, in my opinion. And I don't think Brock is that good on the mic, but Brock is better, can, can carry himself a little bit better. And this is not a knock at Bobby. I just think Bobby's more just of, he's just a fighter. He's just a fighter, a wrestler, grappler. And the mic work was always left, you know, we always fit better for someone else. He just fits that role. Her business comes back, MVP leads it. Now you got the heavy gun with Omos, like you said. If I'm trips, that's the way I'm going. But I guess we'll have to find out. So what we learned from this conversation is Harry from the Banana Nose Circus podcast is reporting that Leo Rush is coming back to be the mouthpiece <laughs> for Bobby Lashley because Bobby needs somebody with charisma to uh, to be to be with him. Um, Didn't he retire again? Actually, he's back with uh, New Japan, uh, and he's going to be part of the. Uh, the juniors uh, tag team uh, tag league with, I believe, um, with with uh, Sh- I believe show or it might be yo from the uh, as part of that. I mean, which uh, we could at, in the, as time goes along. Hopefully, we'll get a little bit more into New Japan Pro Wrestling as we get closer to uh, Wrestle Kingdom in uh, on January fourth. Um, but uh, just kidding, Leo Rush. He's doing what he's doing. So you know that might be the new gag. Anytime we're gonna we're gonna break a news that's not real, 
We'll say it's part of the banana nose uh, circuit. I, I forgot about Leo Rush being like his mouthpiece there for a bit. Uh, uh, quickly, 30 seconds. Leo Rush, when he first came onto the scene, like just into the business and he was picking up steam and he was an ROH and the guy was just phenomenal. Like he, I, I really liked his, his toolkit. I felt the guy could go. It was great. You know, phenomenal for his size. Then he hit, you know, NXT and then, you know, hit the main roster and moved up. And then, then the guy like came to AEW cause he got let go and then he retired. Then he came back. And I don't know if it's just being in that hitting that moment, he hit the ceiling and didn't know what to do. I hope he's happier now. I hope he's in, you know, doing well in new Japan. The guy was just, he's just one of those people. He, you, know, you get the, the Leo rushes the world, your ricochets, your Will Ospreys, AJ Styles back in the day. Um, and I'm probably missing a couple others. You had these guys who just such great talent in the ring could do it all. And even though they were maybe undersized, um, I know Leo Rush is the smallest of the ones I've mentioned, but I really, really thought he was going to have a more consistent career than where, than where he's at now. Sure. I mean, there's mental health issues that we can talk about other times. I mean, he basically has too much for him sometimes. And, you know, Hopefully he's this time around, he can figure it out. And we spoke of a cheap plug. We spoke about it last week, uh, pro wrestling TV. Uh, you can actually check out uh, Leo Rush's run in MLW with, you know, some great matches with uh, B- Myron Reed from, uh, I guess a year, year and a half ago, but cheap plug for someone who's not paying us. Uh, so back to the, the last point on this, we've gone and Bobby's looked great. He's killed Seth Rollins. And then Austin Theory comes out. We can we can bypass if you don't want the idea, the fact that we still actually didn't have anybody answer the open challenge because the bell never rung, and he didn't have to actually use his shot. He could just come came down and been the next contestant on the Price Is Right. What's your thoughts on the actual cash in? And you know the idea, the fact that I think it makes Austin Theory looks like a a moron, and I understand he's a, he's a dopey heel, but it makes him look like a moron. The idea that he wasted his money in the bank when there was no actual open challenge. Or am I overthinking it as, you know, my four partner always say, you know, you're overthinking things. What's your thoughts? I don't think you're overthinking it. If, if it's an open challenge, anyone, you know, the Easter Bunny could have came down and, and, you know, whoever. So if I have a briefcase or not, I can go challenge Seth Rollins. I mean, you know, obviously if I'm an employee there, but the point is that it doesn't make sense. It actually makes this all more messy Mm -hmm. and unclear what the direction is. I wonder if there eventually is a statement at some point, if, or even next week, if we find that Austin Theory still has his, you know, you know, briefcase. I mean, I don't think it's been, is it hundred percent disclosed now that it's a done deal that the the cash in is done. I missed that part on raw. I mean, they did bring it up apparently on the mythical show known as the bu- the bump on a uh, WWE where I, I believe Elias was on. I've read that Elias was on there and he even mentioned the idea that uh, there was no full cash in. I mean, that could be part of the story. I mean, they did in the past where uh, the Miz, you know, uh, tried to cash in, but then they said that it actually wasn't a cash in before he actually, you know, won the title. Uh, I guess it was last year when he cashed in. So, I mean, there is the idea of the fact that a cash in actually may have not happened and the guy gets the, the briefcase back. But I guess the, the bigger point here is, 
are we taking an albatross off of the neck of Austin Theory where he can just go and be another guy for a little while by getting the money in the bank off him? Or is this a burial, possibly a burial? And, you know, he was, like we said earlier, he was a Vince guy, or at least in theory. I mean, Austin exactly went a ton of matches when uh, he was part of that, you know, looking for an egg, apparently. Um, what's your thoughts? Is this a good thing, maybe, that this, you know, albatross of the money in the bank is off him? Or is it a bad sign that a guy who you thought they might have been pushing loses loses the money in the bank? I'm thinking he's just a victim of circumstance. Okay. I think this I think this is Triple H showing that that's not the vision he wants. As much as I don't necessarily care for Austin Theory, I do feel bad because I would hate to have been pushed for something and then a new regime comes in and it gets taken out from under me. So I do feel for him in that aspect. The good news, though, is that he's young enough to rebuild himself. He's young enough to do what he's asked of, to get back in the you know, proper lane to be able to get what he needs. If, he was, if this was like his last run or you know, he was older, I'd be a little more upset about it. But with him being younger, I mean, was he 23 years old, 22? He's pretty young. There's, you know, barring any injury or any type of life-threatening change to his to his life, uh, I should say life-altering change. Uh, I think as much as this is a disappointment, it might be best for him to be delayed out of it. Because let's be honest, what's he going to cash in on? He's going to take the belt off Roman? No. We talked about that before. Who's in line? He's not in line. He's not. He's not. It's you know. It's Roman. It's Bray. It's Seth Rollins. You know the oddball Sami Zayn. Possibly. I mean, I've also heard the, uh, the other day. I read somewhere someone brought up Jay Uso. The way all the conflict going on the bloodline. Maybe Uso turns on the bloodline and he eventually takes the strap off Roman. So, um, so if Theory wants to cash, you know the. Theory cashing in on the heavyweight belt was never an option, in my opinion. Maybe in Vince's mind, maybe in Vince's mind, but not Triple H's. And let's be honest, they, they open, and this is an interesting thing. We always thought that the money in the bank was be could only be cashed in on the main title. This opens up the idea that any champion can be cashed in on. I mean, you you had him go down to NXT with uh, Braun, uh, Braun Strowman, not Braun, uh, Braun Breaker. I'm going to keep that one in. Uh, all these names are way too similar at times. He was down in NXT and, you know, possibly was hinted at the idea of cashing in on, on Braun. I like the idea that it's just not for the main title. Every champion is, always has to be on notice. You know, the idea, maybe he could have got a tag team partner and he could have cashed in on the Usos or someone else. So I, I like that idea about this. And I don't think it's the worst thing in the world that he lost. I mean, do you like him to maybe come across maybe as of a more coherent heel and less of a job guy almost as a result of it? That, of course, hurts. But you know what? I wouldn't be upset if he went back down to like NXT for for three months and maybe had a feud with uh, with Braun Breaker and not win the, maybe not win the title, you know, rebuild him back up. I mean... The guy was, you know, the face at the end of, you know, basically Evolve Wrestling, where, you know, he was champion there. I'll be honest, I didn't see a bunch of his time in Evolve, but they saw something in him. And 
I don't think he's I don't think he's dead in the water. I think this is a stumbling block, and I think we'll see something from Austin Theory again. I don't think this is he lost the money in the bank, and now we he basically becomes just a guy that we don't care about anymore. It might be a little while where you have a downward spiral, and then he comes back. I think that's a good possibility. I don't think it's the end of the road for Austin Theory. Um, he's too young to be the end of the road. I totally agree with you. Way too young to be the end of the road. Yeah, so before we move on to uh, more entertaining things, and yes, I'm showing my AEW bias for a minute, um, I'm going to let you go and have a little bit of joy and talk about uh, everyone's uh, favorite reality star, apparently, or podcast, or whatever the hell he does for likes on Instagram. Uh, Logan Paul, uh, you told me before we started the show that you had a little respect for him in the match. I'm going to let you blush for a few moments as I take a water break, a.k.a. I'll just be sitting here not talking. Logan Paul earned my respect. I think he earned a lot of people's respect. I was not expecting what I saw. Uh, the man can go. He uh, he definitely is uh, physically gifted. He looked sharp. Uh, he Nothing looked uh, terrible. He protected Roman. Roman protected him. He even did a spot off the top rope. Uh, he had Roman on top of one of the announce tables. He literally had a cell phone out and he did a video and put it on reality, you know, put it on like TikTok and all that. Um, you know, him jumping and doing like a suicide uh, splash onto Roman. And then turns out he, he tore his ACL and other parts of his knee um, while he was doing the buckshot lariat or, you know, uh, which uh, Hangman had to come out and kind of give him, hey, only one guy can do that. Um, but no, um, but Logan definitely is got a future in the, in the business. Uh, I never cared for the guy. I don't care for his brother. Um, I think his brother's like an opportunistic, you know, fighter who, who, who will box, you know, old people mm -hmm. or people who are at their prime. But, uh, no, um, I, I retract my statement about Logan Paul. I think if he keeps his head on straight, he comes back, you know, from his injury, he's out for at least a good nine months to a year. If he can get everything back rolling and he can be healthy, I think he's got a chance. Uh, maybe he never gets past maybe being a Miz, but Miz is where he is, right? So why can't Logan Paul be the next coming of that type of standard? Sure. Until, until I actually see that he's gone under the knife for surgery, I'm going to be a little skeptical. The idea, like 20 minutes after this, he's already saying that he had a miss. Uh, ACL, MCL, and he screwed up his meniscus. The guy's a sh the guy from everything I've been told is a showman. And what what builds up sympathy for a guy who wants to be a baby, baby face that nobody, that the WWE crowd does not want to go and cheer. The idea of him coming off, you know, an injury. So maybe he actually did, you know, screw up his his leg. But it seems a little bit convenient the idea, maybe because he won't be on TV for a little while. But I do have a question before we move on. We've all spoken about the plan, sounds like will be Owens and Zayn, a.k.a. Steen and Generico, versus the Usos possibly at WrestleMania. After what you saw, do you still want to see that, or do you have some interest, if he's actually not as hurt as it seems, for the Usos versus the Paul brothers at WrestleMania? I have more interest in Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, in my opinion. I don't Good. want to see... I don't want to see Jake Paul in a ring. I mean, okay. I mean, 
maybe maybe he can go. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that little spot didn't impress me to that magnitude. But his brother did. You know, again, I thought Roman was going to squash Logan in two seconds. I thought this was like a, you know, let's just use Logan Paul to bring up ratings, to get like the younger crowd to watch while we're in Saudi Arabia. No, I, I suggest any true fan go and watch it. Go watch just that match if you can. I know you won't. I know you won't. Leave you out of this. Anyone who doesn't have a problem, like, yeah. Uh. yeah, no, someone else, not you. Uh, you know, watch it and just see that Logan Paul definitely earned himself a chance to continue to be a wrestler anywhere, you know, let alone WWE. He definitely earned himself a, a chance. His third match in, and he had, you know, he took took Roman to the to the limit. I mean, there's a couple of times I thought Roman wasn't gonna kick out. You knew you knew you knew he had to. But you didn't think he was. Um, that's the theatrical art of it. That's that's the selling point, right? We 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 understand this stuff's predetermined, but the point of it is to sell it that it's not predetermined. It's a true fight. So it's a true wrestling match. There was times that I, I didn't think I mean, there was. Um, so I think Logan landed his like punch on him twice. Roman sold it so well that you actually thought that Logan Paul was going to walk out the champ. Very nice. Um, maybe I'll check out some highlights. We'll, we'll see what happens. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other stuff that the WWE we can talk about, but as you can see, these shows are an hour and a half uh, long every week, and you know some of us may want to actually get some sleep before work in the morning. But so you know, as we get closer to Survivor Series, we'll talk more about you know war games and if we believe the mystery you know partners for for Oscar and everyone and you know. Her partners is going to be, you know, a returning Naomi and Sasha Banks, or if it's Bailey and if it's going to be, you know, Charlotte Flair. We'll talk more about that as the weeks go along. You know, I think it's really cute you put yourself on a pedestal considering you got handed your position by Tony Khan. You got fed a bunch of QT's trainees. Sweetheart, I've been in this business for 30, 17 years professionally. You don't know what it takes to be a superstar. You don't know what it takes to even be a star. But let's talk a little bit about All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. I think this show was, I'm not going to say much better than the, the, the last two weeks that we have covered since we started this uh this journey of podcasting. But what were, you, what were your thoughts on AW this week? Do you think it was a good show, a bad show? Just good to know that they'll be going to the uh, United Kingdom sometime next year. Uh, what, what's your thoughts? I think it was a better show. Um, I love Moxley's promo. I hope I'm not messing up the shows. They watched so, so much wrestling in one night. But I believe it was the main event was Danielson and uh, Sammy Guevara in a two yeah, out of three. Um, that was a really, really good match. Um, and uh, it looked like Brian uh, uh, um, Brian Danielson broke his nose uh, through it or something with his cheekbone or something because something didn't look right. Um, so maybe a spot got messed up or something. But he was bleeding pretty bad. But it was a great match. And Sammy ended up like literally passing out. You know, you know, hopefully not spoiling it for anybody. But it was a very technical match. I think it made Sammy look very strong. Because Sammy's one of the pillars, right? So if, if Sammy's one of the pillars still, 
you don't want to crush them. You want to build them up. You want to give, you know, a BD the win. That's fine. But Sammy losing the way he did, uh, it was kind of like, not exactly the same, but it was kind of the same as when Austin passed out to Bret Hart and, and, and the sharpshooter. You kind of earned that respect because you gave it your all and you, you, your body literally gave out. Interesting. So let's, let's talk about a couple of things from this show. First of all, like you said, you had a, another good John Moxley promo. I enjoyed the aspect of we still don't know what William Regal might do. Where Regal, you know, agreeing with everything that Moxie was saying, but you also saw a little sly little look of the fact that, yeah, you did uh, basically end my career. Maybe uh, in a couple of weeks, I might be uh, joining somebody else. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. But I thought he had a great promo. I thought the MJF one-take promo on a podcast, a, a podcast I think it's part of my take, which I, I'll be honest, I've never actually listened to their podcast. And I'd, be, I'd love to find out when the actual episode will be available for people to listen to. Because, you know, I tried to find it yesterday. I didn't see it anywhere yet. But um, I thought that it was interesting that for basically the first time, yes, we've, we've seen pictures of the elite and everything over the last couple of weeks with these promo packages. I think they did another really good one. But if you listen closely to what MJF said, he mentioned, he didn't mention Punk's name. But he mentioned the press conference. So slowly, they're feeling slightly more comfortable with talking about what, what happened, which I think is fascinating, especially when the fact that, you know, past weeks on the show, I said that I don't think they'll ever actually talk about the press conference or what happened. The idea that MJF actually brought up the press conference, I think, is an interesting line to go and look into. Right. He brought up that, sorry to interrupt you, but he brought up that when it should have been about him, it was about the press conference. Right. But continue. Uh, so I thought that was really well done. I thought that was a good way to show why he wasn't on the show, where he said that the doctors, in order for him to be 100%, he, you know, he wouldn't be doing anything for like the next week or two. I think that's a, a good explanation. I mean, I'm sure the fans. Would have loved to see a face to face, and maybe we get something with the idea that uh, next week's rampage, the go home, is in New Jersey. So they might, you know, do something with some final way to sell the pay per view. The two of them having some sort of standoff or something. But that was really well done. Once again, I thought that the uh, they basically gave away, which we all knew, that the Bucks and uh, Kenny are coming back at full gear because. The graphic package that was all the same graphics of the uh, that they used for full gear. So I thought that was a nice little touch. So we, we know that that's happening. Don't know yet how we're going to get there. I thought it was a nice touch uh, that Ethan Page was really booked strong in that match against Eddie uh, Eddie Kingston. But the the big thing that happened on the show, and I don't want to go and take away from all the all the other things, but for anybody who's, who follows, we knew that. The former page, Saray, was back. She was going to be cleared. I think that's what we should talk about in this RAW little thing here. At least this and maybe something else. What was your thoughts on the Saray Britt Baker segment? The the Uncle Days of the World, Dave Meltzer, thought that it was a very good segment, but didn't love the fact that Saray kind of buried 
Brit of not being big league and not being in the WWE, kind of what a lot of people have said about, you know, CM Punk promos where indirectly people aren't in his league because they weren't in the WWE. What was your thoughts on the uh, Saray promo and their interaction? It's, it's actually going to, I never, I very rarely agree with Uncle Dave, but I do this time. Okay. I think that it was a little too far. It makes the match not really worthy. So if you, if Britt was never good enough to be where she was, and what's the whole point of the match in the first place now? It, it went, you know, she, she kind of went too far with it. I don't know if you remember, but I want to say it was in 1990, was it six or eight? I can't remember, but an Ultimate Warrior shows up on WCW and he comes out to Hulk Hogan and he just goes on this big rant how he beat the heck out of him in WWF years ago. So later on in like the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior um, DVD, you know, Hogan's like, you know, what are we doing here? You know, because now the guy just literally just buried me and we came and have a program and it was his first night back. This bumbling idiot just literally just buried me. And that's all I thought about when I watched that whole segment go down. Wow, okay. I, I mean, it's not 100% similar, but it's kind of similar. I mean, I'm glad, you know, you know, formerly known as Paige is coming back and she's cleared. Um, I'm all for that, but and I understand that, you know, her popularity and all that is worth it. And I also was listening somewhere, I think it was on a Jericho podcast, where they almost missed the boat on signing her. It was three or four months. And then, you know, Jericho had to like kick, you know, kind of give a little kick to Tony. Hey, if you want her, you have to go get her now. Like, you know, because if not, she's going to go back to WWE. So I get the importance of building her up and making the women's division, you know, bigger and better. But burying Brit does not help the situation. I know you, you know, Jamie Hayter's now going for the belt against, you know, the interim belt against Tony Storm, but you still could have left Brit strong. I don't see where Brit's strong in this scenario. Am I misreading it? I thought it was a great segment. I really enjoyed that Brit went back and forth with her. I mean, I think that there, and I, and I think there's a, and this is something that I don't know if it was Sean Ross Sapp or Dave Meltzer said in their conversation about what they thought of the segment, that I think there's a very good chance that the New Jersey crowd is going to turn on page. I think that the pro AEW, I've been, you know, told that we're not good enough by these people who, you know, got fired or couldn't make in the WWE keep on, you know, running down our people. Maybe they, I could see very well that at, and Britt's a big I, – and I think Britt is a star. And I, and I understand that in her initial promo, Britt Baker basically said that, you know, she wasn't a star and we didn't need her. So I, I get the points on that, but I do think that the promo may have been a little too harsh that the fans might turn on uh, the former page, a.k.a. Uh, Saray. But I, I thought it was good. I mean, I think it showed that she is a star – and she's even, and the idea of how much passion she has for the business. And yes, I know I'm, I'm playing the company line here as the AW mark, apparently. But I do think it worked well, the idea of her telling her story and saying she got hit by a car and, the, and she still came because of her love for wrestling. She came back and wrestled, you know, that same day. The idea that, you know, she's been in this company, she's been in wrestling for basically, you know, 17 or 18 years 
for basically 30 years of her life. And Brit's only been doing this, you know, on the big stage for th- like three years. So I think that sometimes when you write your own promos, maybe the reflection and different things don't always come out exactly as you want them. Maybe I'm more forgiving of Saray due to the fact of everything she's been through, having to go, come back from a broken neck and everything else. But I don't think it, I, I don't think this hurt the build for this. I actually think it made it feel more personal. And I think when you have somebody coming in from another company or hasn't wrestled in forever, and it's basically you're just coming off of the Grand Slam pop, I do think you need something that makes you say, I should care about this. And Britt's a big enough star, absolutely. But Britt versus the former Page, that sounds great. But why should I care? I think that promo last night actually made me care about wanting to see this match. And I think that's, and that way it worked. I can understand how maybe it was a little bit too aggressive and felt like you were putting down your opponent. But sometimes the baby face has to show that they're not a pushover. And I think that's kind of what she kind of did there. And I do think that Rick gave it as good as she got. You know, the idea of the fact that you got to make it basically, you know, you got to make an appointment to face me. It's something that's been used and it's kind of, in its own way, it is kind of true. Britt Baker was the first person who, first female who was signed to AEW. And every person who's basically ever been a feud with her. And you could say after a while, you got to get new material, but everyone has always said that the only reason why she's where she is, is because of Tony Khan. I mean, everyone is, is where they are because the booker likes you, but you know, I, I don't know if you understand where I'm coming on here, but the idea of that, I think it made me more interested in the match. I could see how you you looked at it the way you did, but can you see at least that idea of it? Or is it she better? No, I do. And no. What it is. no, I do. I, I do see it your way as well. Um, I'm glad that Paige told her story. That That part didn't bother me. It was like, I just felt like she was shaming Britt and she shouldn't have. Because it's not Britt's fault that things didn't work out in WWE necessarily. I mean, listen, Kenny Omega was in WWE first and it didn't work out there, right? And look at Kenny Omega now. So I think with that, what's, what's missing here is that when the, when the AEW women's division wasn't really that much of a thing, there was a couple of key players that held it together. And Britt Baker was at the top of that list. Now, I'm not even a huge Britt Baker fan. But I just felt that she should have had a little, little more respect, or I don't, I don't know what the word is. I wish I had a better word, not respect, but a little more tact in her approach to like building up the feud between them. That, that's all I'm trying to say. Let me ask you a question, and I think this is key to how we look at things. What have you had as a big of a problem with this, and what she said and her tact and everything? If she was the heel in this situation. Not the not the not the supposed babyface, because I think that's what rubs some people the wrong way on how this was, because like if Paige, aka Saray, and I, I apologize, I'm going to call her Paige quite a bit over, as we you know until yeah. she's more established. But do you see? I I looked at this maybe just because of the story element, but I think that, and I think as her being the outsider, and I, and and you could say that TK Tony Khan goes on this trope way too much of playing on wrestling it his, wrestling is aw history and these people came from other places 
and WWE has kind of looked at it as the enemy. But if the same promo happened and she was the, and Paige was the heel, you think you would look at it a little bit differently? I would. That's you're that's very observant, and that's the problem. I enjoyed it for what it was, but I think if she was the heel and Britt was the quote unquote either tweener or the babyface, and you had her basically saying how much better than I am because I've been on all these big stages, I think it would have worked better for you and a lot of other people. So, I mean, I like the segment, but I could understand why you didn't. That's very observant. Very observant. Yeah, you know, it's what I do. But when you know, when when you don't have a when when you don't have a, a dating life, you you become observant on other things. Uh, <laughs> there's a joke there that I'm not going to do because some people I know actually listen to this podcast. I'm not going to give. Uh, I broke I broke my tag team partner right now. Um, so, like I said, we we still got one more raw, uh, one more raw, uh, one more dynamite, and two rampages before we. Uh, See this pay-per-view next, uh, not this Saturday, but the following Saturday. I've asked you this other times, but as we're getting closer to this show, do you think this show has been built good enough if you're the, and I used to do this with the human wheelbarrow all the time and he hated it, but I'm going to continue what I do because I'm a broken record. Do you think the build for this show has been good, great, bad, average? We still got another week left. We've got this, you know, this tournament, which AEW loves to do their tournaments. What's your feeling right now? I know that me and you are going to show, watch the show because we, we're AEW uh, marks and we like what we like what they're doing. But what do you think of the build so far? And I'm going to ask you again this next week because I'm a broken record. I think all things considered, especially outside of you know what happened, it all out and something happened. You're such a jerk. <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, it literally, it's been a great build. It's been, I really feel it's been a great build because of the fact that it's so much adversity happening and so many people, key people had to step up and then trying to bring back in the Bucks and, you know, and, and Omega. It's, I think they've done as best as they can do with what they have going. Mm-hmm. And I feel that we're still going in the, the right direction. The, the key thing to me at some point, and this may not be, and I'm, I know I'm kind of going off off the page here. Um, I think we talked about once before is what happens, what happens with FTR. Hmm. How much, listen, I love the acclaim. I'm the biggest acclaim mark. They're hot. They're, they're over. But how much longer can we have the greatest tag team possibly in the world not have the AEW belts on them? Um, that's that's just me. I know but it's not this. The Midnight Express are back. I didn't. I didn't know they were taking again. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! Do Do you even see where I'm coming from with that? No, sure. I can. I can see that. I mean, I think that, and I think we we discussed this uh, previous podcast or outside of the podcast the world that if something's hot, you got to run with it, and. I think that you could have more than one tag team storyline at a time. We always say, and we'll get more into this most likely next week when we, we talk about the actual meat and potatoes of this pay-per-view, but the idea that you could have more than one women's feud at a time 
you should be able to have more than one tag team feud. The idea that AEW, this this might be the first or the second time they're gonna have they've already have three announced matches, three announced women's matches for the pay-per-view is great. The idea that you'd like to have more than one women's match on a show is another subject, but I think you could have more than one tag team feud going on at a time. And if your division is strong enough, you don't have to have the quote unquote best tag team in the world with your titles for them to matter. I think you could have two different tracks. I mean, you can like the um, the gun club or you can think the gun club is a joke. But you know what? You can have obstacles on why FTR isn't going for the titles. And you still have the little looks that are still building to at some point, if they're still champions, FTR versus the acclaimed. Or FTR versus Swerve in Our Glory if they win the titles back at the pay-per-view. I don't see a pro I love the FT I love FTR. I love their match this past weekend on the actual show that I did watch uh, with New Japan, where I think they had one of the it's it's crazy. You can say this every single time FTR has a match, but one of the possibly top 15, 20 matches of the year with them versus Jeff Cobb and the Great O'Connor. And if you have a chance to go out of your way, you know, people should try to check that out. So I guess would I love to see FTR be champion of every company that they go to? Absolutely. But I think if something's working organically, like the acclaimed, I don't see the reason to take the titles off them. It's not that part. I agree with you on that part. My worry is how much longer can FTR, well, FTR want to stay in that position? Or is it me overreading it and they're probably just happy where they are already? Well, in, I mean, in the other in the in their in the other places that they can work and make a ton of money, and I know that they they didn't they they gave up a a very high six figure deal to stay, but tag team wrestling, and you could say also now with trios, is something that truly matters in AEW, and with the Bucks coming back, you've got you know the Kingdom now here. You've got Swerve and Our Glory for however long they stay together. I think you have a ton of tag teams that they can work with. I don't think, and I, how do I put this nicely? And I have this conversation a ton. I'll never say the F word when it comes to uh, wrestling, but it's a wrestling is choreographed. It's predetermined. And the idea of wins and losses, you know, really doesn't matter. And I think FTR, I don't think they care that they're, champion of every promotion they're in. I think they just want to have good competition and a good story. If you want to say the idea that they're not on TV as much as they should be, that's another subject. But I do think that they're facing new, fresh opponents. They have the freedom to go and work pretty much everywhere they want. They're, they're going to you know, most likely have another match with the Briscoe somewhere down the line. The Young Bucks they'll face again. They claim somewhere down the line. I think there's plenty of options. And I don't think they're super upset the fact that they're not champions. If you know what I mean. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I can see it from that point of view as well. And you know what? At some point, I see them mostly doing something with Impact as well, getting those titles. I mean, I think the bigger question is, when do you take the, when do all these other companies take the titles off them? You know, I mean, do you have at Wrestle Kingdom, which they are, uh, they said they'll they'll be at at Wrestle Kingdom, they'll be they'll be uh, defending the titles. Most likely, maybe against Ozzy Open in a, in a rematch. You know, at some point they'll defend uh, the ROH Championships when they go. Maybe against the um, 
the gun club at the pay-per-view. My God, there'll be 47 matches on the pay-per-view. I love, I love, uh, I love to get the bang for a buck, but geez, these shows are a little bit too long sometimes, but you know, you got triple a, they'll have to go and face those again. I think that's going to be the interesting idea. I think the initial plan was before everyone, before all the things that happened was for them to be the champions of pretty of AW as well. And the thing that they did with Kenny before he lost his titles was that they had him lose besides the impact title. They wanted him to lose their title first. So they didn't look lesser than, and I think that even makes it easier with FTR not being your champions that if they do lose at some point in these other promotions, it doesn't make AW look bad or lesser than because they're not the champions in that company. Yeah, I, I can't even argue. You, you're, you're right. It, it, it makes sense to me. Like I said, with WWE, and I'm going to broken record because that's my that's one of my catchphrases. Apparently, a lot of other stuff happened on the show. Some good, some bad. Neither one of us, as far as I can tell, watched uh, or read the uh, the spoilers for Rampage this week. But quickly, I think we may have met. We we didn't have the uh, the brackets at the time of our last recording, but who do you think is going to win this this tournament? Is it going to be uh, Ethan Page? Is it going to be uh, Ricky Starks? Do they go and put the rocket on Bandito's or Bandito or Rush? I mean, I don't think you could. I don't think Dante Martin, as flashy as he is, I don't see him beating you know Brian Cage in the first round. But once again, we have not looked at spoilers as far as I know. Harry has, you know, he doesn't have to comment, but what's your thoughts? Now that we know the field, who do you think wins this? I have not seen any spoilers. My gut just says Ricky Starks. It's just, you know, he's been slowly groomed into becoming, you know, the next big thing. And it wasn't rushed, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. He's had a couple of programs. I feel that he that the uh, he has the support of you know of the fans of AEW. I feel that he could you know win take this out. I think it's going to be Ethan Page, but if it is Ricky Starks, I've got no problem with it. I mean, I think Ben. I think they want to push Bandito, but I think it's a little hard going from. All right, you had a match, uh, a, a, a very good match. Against the Ocho, oh God, I said the Ocho. I'm a, I'm a company man apparently now. Uh, against Chris Jericho, who happy happy birthday to Chris Jericho, which I believe it was yesterday. But you go from that to winning this tournament, and I think the I think Rush has something separate going on. But so I think it's going to be either Ethan Page or Ricky Starks, and I'm going to go with uh, Ethan Page. Hopefully, uh, one of us is right in our uh, conversation here. I, I mean, interrupt you. I'm not mad if Ethan Page wins because we still have. A storyline there, you know, of him, you know, given what they call that his ending move now, and it's kind of like the Razor's Edge, but they called it the Ego Edge or something. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So they didn't he give that to MJF last week or two weeks ago? Yes. That's exactly. So, yes, he did. You know, so we still have that, you know. So I'm not mad if Ethan Page wins. Mm-hmm. I just think that Ricky Starks is going to win, but um, but either way, it works. Agreed, and. uh Every week we do uh, three main topics, and we're we're at the point for our last main topic. And that's why when we were at Harley's funeral, I looked you in the eye and said, "Why aren't you wrestling anymore? What the hell are you doing?" 
And I said, come to Atlanta. Please just come to Atlanta. The NWA is different. The NWA is where we celebrate wrestlers like you. The NWA is where we celebrate real men who fight like men. Now, most of you, like me, has most likely not watched either NWA in the Billy Corgan era or stopped watching him when it was no longer, you know, was no longer free. But the big story that's come out is Nick Aldis, uh, formerly known as Brutus Magnus for uh, us, the Impact fans out there, uh, gave his supposed notice. Billy Corgan, uh, frontman of the Smashing Pumpkins, apparently wasn't thrilled and said that uh, you don't have to show up for uh, NWA Hard Times 3, which is uh, this Saturday. And if you didn't know that, you wouldn't be the only one. Uh, what's your thoughts on Nick Aldis? Now, I, we're going to come, come across this from two different ways. One, in regards to what we think about this whole NWA situation. And two, if Nick Aldis, and this is not a, a storyline, like uh, Billy Corgan actually said, the initial time when he was pulled out of the world title match, that was part of a storyline back, I guess, in August, where we had uh, the, the world's greatest wrestler, Tyrus, which... You didn't get the sarcasm in my voice. You don't uh, know me very well. Um, replaced him against uh, Trevor Murdoch. What what is his, what does he look like as a free agent in January 2023? I don't think we're going to have the, the big, you know, uh, MJF, you know, who, who could spend the most money. But let, let's start with uh, let's start with the NWA. One, have you watched uh, the NWA in the Billy Corgan era? And if so, uh, what's your thoughts? Bits and pieces. Uh, I just could never seem to catch it on the right channel at the right day, or I was busy during a pay per view. Uh, I know it was on certain on YouTube channels on like Saturday morning at twelve. Uh, I I think the last pay per view I watched was the Empower one. It was all the girls, you know, all all female wrestling. Um, that's the last pay per view I've actually caught. But I, I still follow it and read all the news. So if I'm understanding this correctly, the reason why Nick all this gave his notice is because Billy Corrigan has had an issue with the women's division in NWA and has put it down constantly to the point where there's been some offensive comments to Nick Aldis's wife, which uh, if you don't know is Mickey James. So it seems like this is a personal standpoint to where Nick called this like, all right, I've had enough. I'm not going to work for someone that isn't going to respect my wife or respect the women's division. This is my, my take on it. I then saw another source or, you know, dirt sheet, you know, uh, post where Billy broke down what his issues were how he was upset with, with Nick and the announcement and, and, and that he pulled them because of the fact that how could he have someone who announced he's going to leave so early still be like in the locker room and be around his performers. So he wanted to get any negativity out of the way. Okay, Billy, I'll give you a pass on that. That makes sense. But then he, he co-signed what Nick and others have already 
brought up is how he still has a problem with women's wrestling in NWA and doesn't feel there's a strong enough women's division to have another in power and has constantly put down his own talent. If Billy's right or wrong, in my opinion, is not the answer. You still cannot publicly put down your talent. That's not a good motivating factor. You're burying your own business. NWA is barely staying alive on a heartbeat. 98% of the wrestling fans don't even know it exists anymore. Only the, the truest of the true purists even know it's around. Unless you just happen to catch a, you know, a, a dirt sheet or a post on a regular wrestling site. So, I mean, I wonder what like someone like Velvet Sky feels about you know what Billy Corgan's comments are. I haven't seen her say anything yet. Um, it it it's a mess. It's a mess, and I think unfortunately the timing of it all stinks. But it has to be done. I feel bad for people who actually bought tickets to this weekend's pay per view, who are looking forward to seeing Nick Aldis, because Nick Aldis is the number one draw there. And now we're not getting, now we're not going to have them. I thought there was something very important you said there, and I, and I might have said it as well. As of a day, two days ago, I follow a ton of stuff. I had no idea that this pay-per-view was coming up. And now I know. And I think it's – only thing that gives me pause on this whole situation is that Billy Corgan actually said – that the stuff earlier this summer, I, think, I guess it was in August, that was a storyline. So it gives you some pause, the idea that this isn't a storyline. So I don't know what the true thing is. Yes, the idea that him burying the, the female talent and saying that you need to know how to wrestle the, the, uh, the NWA style. First of all, I don't think anybody knows what the NWA style is anymore. I mean, I know that there's uh, people who do podcasts about the NWA who are passionate about it. Um, I've even uh, spoke to one of the guys who did the official NWA podcast a couple, like a year or so ago, and they're super passionate and they, they, they knew all the stuff that was going on. And I respect the idea that people care about the NWA. I get the idea that Nick Aldis gave his notice a little bit, maybe ahead of time. But all of this goes, and I know that PW Insider has said that from what they're hearing, this is not part of a storyline. But nobody cared one bit unless you were actually, you actually go to their tapings and all the people do respectfully, congratulations. But I didn't know that there was a pay-per-view. Harry didn't know there was a pay-per-view. I don't think some people who mostly work for the NWA knew there was a pay-per-view on Saturday. This sounds like a work. Maybe it's not. But the idea of me trying to care that Tyrus, Trevor Murdoch, and Matt Cardona are wrestling in the main event on Saturday, I'm sorry. I still don't care. If, if uh, Nick Aldis shows up at the pay-per-view and wins the title or something, and this was all promotion for people to care about it, more power to you. But as of right now, I couldn't care less about the NWA. I know everybody who's there works very hard and I want them all to be able to make a living, but the NWA is so off the, the mainstream or even the any stream radar right now. I, if I were them, I would have been, I know that they have a separate deal 
with Fight TV. But if you wanted me to care about them, they should have joined the GCWs, the Wrestling Revolves of the World, and been part of Fight Plus. And we, we'll get into that maybe at the very end of the show. But Harry, I respect your opinion in regards to that this is maybe is a bigger subject about Billy Corgan and the empowered situation. But I feel this is just a desperate ploy by Nick Aldis, who's very smart, and Billy Corgan to get people to care about a pay-per-view that if you went and gave me a thousand guesses on what was happening this weekend besides GCW, the first mate, the first event on Fight TV, the Nick all the Nick Aldis, Jesus, the Nick, the Nick Cage Invitational Six or whatever it is, and I apologize if I got the name wrong. I couldn't care less. And I think this is all I think this is all a stunt. I can see that. Um, maybe I'm maybe I'm too much of a believable person. I, I give too much credit to people. If it is a stunt, then they got me fooled. I just, I felt the comments. I felt it, and I wondered, you know, I posted on iHeartWrestling. I said, you know, if someone spoke to my wife that way, it would be a lot more than a notice, you know, or, you know, uh, or I quit scenario. Because uh, that's just one of the unwritten rules. So you don't speak to someone's wife in a certain way. So that's maybe why I took it. And I kind of, that's how I felt it. But your scenario makes sense too. I, I mean, maybe I'm the one that's getting fooled here. Now, let's say, for instance, let's answer your second part of your question. Let's say this is not a work and this is real. And Nick Aldis becomes a free agent, you know, in January of 2023. I think EJ Fulbright, another member of iHeart Wrestling, had it best. He fits perfect in either going back to Impact while well, he was in TNA years ago, but go to Impact or become a, a pillar in ROH. Because uh, eventually Tony Khan's going to have to separate the two. We, we think they're going to separate the two and have when Ring of Honor has its own TV deal, you have that talent there. You have talent on EW. Maybe they cross promote a little bit, but most will, you know, will be on one show. I think Nick Aldis is got the talent and the name to be able to help Ring of Honor build to some degree. Uh, you know, obviously the belt's on Jericho for a reason, but I feel that that would be a great signing. But either way, he'll land a job. That's not a problem. I would be shocked if Trips even looked at him. Um, I don't see why that would help. I don't think. WWE wants to bring Mickey James back in any any way, shape, or form. Not that that should matter, but sometimes it's part of the politics of it. Is you know bringing in someone else to get someone else. Um, I just don't see where he'd fit the programming up in Stanford. So it's either you know ROH or, or Impact to go from there. Um, but I guess well, time will tell. Absolutely. Um, I know that he did a guest spot at Nick Aldis. At either Slammiversary or Bound for Glory, he was part of the uh, 10-man tag of the AW, uh, the AW, the uh, TNA Originals, when they were, I think they were going up against Honor No More. So, I mean, he does have a relationship of some sort with uh, with Impact. I, I could, if Cody Rhodes was still in AW, I can see that being a much better fit with Nick Aldis, you know, having, you know, the third match in their trilogy. I could see him going 
to being, you know, a mainstay as a gatekeeper type of thing, maybe for uh, for NXT. I can see that maybe being a fit as he's, I believe he is 30, uh, 36 years old now. I think that could be a good fit. I'm not against the idea of, a, of the AW ROA situation, but they've got so many guys in Ring of Honor slash AEW that bringing in another 36-year-old who I don't think Nick Aldis has the, the by, by any stretch the name value of a Samoa Joe or a lot of the other guys that they've brought in. Is he a good hand? And I know it's a terrible way to put it because people get upset with that term. But I don't really think that we need to bring in another guy like that. I could see him doing, you know, the circuit where he's in MLW. He does. You know what? I could see him being a good fit. New Japan. I could see him being a good fit as the cocky British British guy who you can maybe part make him part of the, like the the money behind the United Empire with Will Ospreay and even maybe setting up something with, you know, a Zack Sabre Jr. or something. I could see him doing something there. But the idea of him going to AEW slash Ring of Honor, I don't feel is the perfect fit for right now, especially with, if I'm the average wrestling fan, I don't know how much I respect Nick Aldis. Yes, supposedly maybe he's protecting his wife, but the idea that he's, you know, this loudmouth who's going to, if he doesn't get his own way, is going to go cry, moan. I mean, I know that's the history of the wrestling business, that there's always the biggest fish in the ocean wants to be the biggest fish wherever he goes. But I don't think Nick Aldis is that big of a deal in 2022 with the the wonderful NWA, which half the people don't know. And I, I do apologize. I don't mean to kill the NWA here, but I'm just trying to be real on the fact that, yes, him going and basically rebranding the NWA in his image with the 10 pounds of gold series was very interesting. And at that time I cared about it. I thought that the videos they, that they did with him and, and Tim storm were great. And and I do think that, you know, the, the stuff they did with Thunder Rosa was really good. Like I watched when it was on YouTube Every week, me and Jason would even talk about it here and there because he actually liked the idea of the old school Southern wrestling uh, wrestling feel. But I just don't think that Nick Aldis moves the quote unquote needle in 2022. Like, would you be, uh, Harry, would you be super excited? All honesty, all kidding aside, if you turned on Ring of Honor or AW and you saw that the national, I think his name is the National Treasure. I think that's his his moniker in, in uh, NWA, if you saw him on your screen, would you care? Really? I mean, I know we want everybody to have a job. Would you, I, I, I you up, would you honestly care in 2022, I'm sorry, 2023, the first episode in Seattle, Washington for the new year on January 4th, which uh, tickets are on sale for AEW, he shows up. Are you going re- to care? Me personally, I wouldn't. Uh, it's not fair. I mean, it is fair. Uh, good question. Um, I care the man has a job, like like you said, and I think he's a decent wrestler. I think he's not terrible. Um, but no, I'm not going to care. Like, if it's not like CM Punk showing up. You know what well, I mean? It's you are. yeah, yeah. You know, it's it, it's 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 not even a comparison. 
I think you made a good point about the New Japan part. I, I didn't think about that. But now that you bring it up more, uh, th that actually probably is the best scenario for him if he was to go anywhere. Yeah, you know, I mean, if he want, you brought up impact before, would he feel like a little bit of a big deal coming home, being the conquering champion? Maybe that works a little bit. Even maybe NXT with, like I said, him being a a veteran who you know now that eight now that trips trips now that Triple H is actually talking about other things that not just WWE. You can build him as the two time NWA champion and having you know a bit of a resume. But like I said, maybe you bring like maybe you bring him into WWE, and he uh, even if it's going to be a one off to have that match, the NWA champion facing Cody Rhodes in the third match at a, you know, at a somewhat big pay-per-view. Maybe that can work, but AWROH for me, it doesn't feel like a good fit. I guess we'll find out. But uh, I, the other thing I can think of is remember how he was in TNA, you know, long time ago. We talked about this before, before we went on the call. Uh, it was him, Desmond Wolf. I want to say it was P.D. Williams, but I could be wrong. But there was a third member. It was like an X Division. I mean, what if there's something that he goes back to Impact and that gets rebranded? I mean, maybe yeah. no one would care. Maybe no one would care. Maybe they would. Who knows? It's not the same company as it was, you know, six, 14, 16 years ago, whatever it was. So uh, who knows? I guess we'll find out as it, as it moves along. All right, so very last thing before we get to our last little fun segment, which we always do at the end of this, because, you know, we're going to be a six-hour six-hour uh, premium live event at this at this rate. One to ten. I'm not asking how much you care about the, the NWO show, but one to ten. Do we see or read that Nick Aldis shows up on this show on next – no, I'm sorry. Uh, on Saturday night, do we – or even at the tapings the following – does Nick Aldish show up at that show? Or do you actually think that we won't see him in the NWA for however long? So one to 10, 10 meaning he will show up and a one. 10, that meaning, he... that, 10 meaning that at the end of that show, he's holding the, I'm kidding, but he's holding the world title above his head. One, he, we never see him in the uh, NWA again, or at least I... in, you know, before January of next year. I say it's a three. Oh, okay. I'm going to be a little bit higher. I'm going to say like a seven and a half that uh, he will, like I said, I haven't followed NWA storylines, but he will somehow wind up in that main event, that three-way, becomes a fatal four-way. He wins the title. And all of this is leading to a all this versus a hand-picked opponent of, you know, Billy Corgan's, you know, choosing, and that's how you supposedly get people to care about NWA in 2022. But, you know, I always think that uh, everything has a good chance of being a work until it turns into a shoot. I mean, you're, you're not wrong. It's a great speculation about it. And, you know, I will definitely tell you you're right, you know, and, and I was wrong if it turns out that way next week. And, and once again, you'll let me know or the uh, – if Sean Ross Saps of the world or uh, the Wrestling Observer, or I'll look at the results to find out if he shows up because I ain't giving them money for that show. <laughs> but, uh, last subject, we always like to have a little bit of fun here. 
and Harry may know where I'm going with this because we actually did speak about it for half a second. So it was said, uh, I guess, yesterday, the day before, that John Cena likely, possibly, could be available for a match at WrestleMania 39. Let's uh, let's play a little uh, little fun here. What would you do with with uh, John Cena at WrestleMania 39 if you have a if you're able to do a match with him? I'm trying to think where he fits. And in, in, in what situation does does he fit at this point? Who would he go up against? I do have the rematch with uh, with Bray Wyatt after the cinematic match. You have a couple. You'll have a couple months for Bray to actually figure out what he's doing with Uncle Howdy or whatever the hell's going on there. I mean, do you uh, go? With, I mean, I think the perfect. I think the perfect dual main event. Because as much as I would love to see like a New Japan style thing with a two night event where night one you've got you know Rock versus Roman and then night two. It's, you know, uh, Roman versus, you know, Cody and Cody was a title or something. But the way they're doing things is it's going to be one night will be Rock versus Roman. Night two. How about Cody Rhodes finally getting the rub and beating John Cena, the big, the quote unquote, one of the three biggest stars of the post, you know, WWE, WCW era. I can see that. That makes sense. That's a that's a good main event for the first night. I mean, the guys. Uh, some guy named Stone Cold Steve Austin has said that uh, he's willing to do more. Would you like to see? We never saw it. Would you want to see Cena versus uh, Stone Cold? I mean, maybe that's that's two baby faces facing each other. Yeah, similar with uh, Cody, but I mean, what do you what do you think here? Do you do you want to see maybe? Seth Rollins versus Cena. They had great chemistry together. I mean, I'm throwing out some names here. You know, I know nothing like anything else in this world. I know nothing about nothing. But I think that if Cena is available and says he wants to be there, I think as long as we're not seeing him versus The Rock again, three times in a lifetime or whatever it's the new slogan would be, right. I got no problem seeing John Cena either putting over somebody like a Cody or even doing maybe like a squash where him versus us, you know, if we're going to see Austin Theory again, maybe you have Austin Theory versus John Cena, either in a squash or Theory gets it, gets his big moment beating John Cena. I mean, I thought about it. the first thing I first match that came to my head was Austin Theory versus John Cena. That was the very the minute you brought up John Cena, like a minute ago, that was the first match I thought of. Um, because of the comparisons that I've heard since Theory kind of came to the main roster, as far as physique and the way he's been, you know, he's presented and how, you know, McMahon loved him so much. I mean, that, that's how John Cena got where he was. That's the same pattern. I'm not saying Cena didn't earn some stuff. And he's probably the greatest, you know, as far as humanitarian of a wrestler. You know, he's done the most fundraising for, you know, cancer research and kids and all that and the hot was make a wish you know all that you know so i think nothing from john cena but he, you know he's not really the greatest great wrestler he just was a guy that was able to buy in and be able to carry the company during a particular time i'm not gonna lie i really like to see steve austin versus uh john cena but then that that doesn't fit though 
on what you do with Seth and Cody. So maybe it is something like you put Austin maybe against Seth Rollins and then Cody against Cena or vice versa. Cause then, you know, cause then, you know, they can build up the younger stars and still give them, give them hell, you know, and be a, be a decent match. So I'm not, I'm not opposed to Cena coming back to being a part of it. I just don't want to see a push from a part-timer. I've got one for you. If he's healthy, can you really have a bigger match right now than John Cena versus Logan Paul? If you want to, if you want to do the celebrity stuff and you've got your legacy star in John Cena going up against the, the Instagram upstart, if healthy, like I said, who knows if he really has a meniscus and ACL and MCL and PCL and Mel 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 and everything else. <laughs> Tell me the idea in Hollywood, SoCal, so, SoFi Stadium, whatever it is, John Cena versus Logan Paul, night one or night two of WrestleMania. I think that would sell tickets. I'm it not would... saying the average fan will care, but I'm saying no, not sell... the average hardcore fan, but I mean. It would sell tickets. As, as much as I don't want to see that match, I, I it would sell tickets. I didn't want to see Logan and Roman, but you know, I'm just saying Logan earned my respect because he actually did do some real wrestling. Like he was really good in the ring. It's scary that he was, but for a guy who's only had three matches, he was really good. I, re- I really can't uh, say a bad thing about him. I think Logan would fit. Logan will probably, if he is not injured, Logan's going to fit. So I guess, you know, I want to see Logan versus Seth Rollins at some point. Maybe not WrestleMania, mm-hmm. but I want to, I want to see Logan versus Seth Rollins. Maybe, maybe Logan against Cody, not yeah. at WrestleMania, but at some point down the road, maybe SummerSlam. I don't know, but not for a belt or nothing. I mean, it was the guy's third match. Uh, but yeah, I guess as far as star power and selling tickets, John Cena versus Logan Paul makes sense. And I think he'd be the one guy that if Logan Paul beat John Cena, I think that it doesn't hurt anything within storyline. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not as if this outsider is beating a young guy who we feel should be pushed. I think something like that can work. I mean, like I said, I do think that until he's actually available to do it and we know he's there. I always have a hard time believing that with all the work that John Cena and the rock are doing within movies. I think things will come up. I mean, I think that if the rock isn't available to do WrestleMania, I think we get Roman versus uh, Cody at mania, but if the rocks available, we get rock Roman and I can, like I said, I can see Cena Versus Cody Rhodes as your night one, night two main event. And, you know, you, you've got uh, – here, let's put – as we get out of here in a moment. How about, you know, your third match, as we're talking, you know, BS right now. You've got – I know you, I know you, your skin's going to crawl when I say this, but you've got the returning Phil Brooks, CM Punk, having the dream match that we never got versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Straight Edge versus the beer drinker. You can – you telling me that that doesn't go and make you go, hmm? Make you go, hmm? Uh, it makes me throw up. But <laughs> uh, all right, maybe did, I was wrong with that one. You did that on purpose. Uh, 
CM Punk needs to either go to New Japan if he's not if he's not coming back to AEW, go back to New Japan or call it quits. Don't don't do anything else. Please don't go back to WWE. Like I'm still mad at Cody. It's not it's for another program, but I just don't get it. It, it I mean maybe because I'm a guy who's fought corporate America a bunch of times, and you know I, I just you know you don't go back to where someone's you know done you done you wrong or you know. Uh, crapped all over you. you. You just don't go back. But then again, there's this elaborate conspiracy theory out there that McMahon had Cody do this under the. And I'm not saying you're wrong. Right, which I, one of your stupid friends said this? This uh, this ridiculous idea. Same one. No, no, no. Actually, this might be one of our mutual friends. Someone said it. I forgot who said it. But it was on a call that Felipe and I were on. I forget who said it. But. One of us in our little group there, friends that were, you know, just shooting the stuff one night after Raw, mentioned that there was a rumor that Vince put it in Cody's head to, like, get released and go travel the world and go to New Japan and, and do all this to just scout talent and build up this whole big program to then eventually comes back to WWE and then does this whole I gotta get the belt my father never had and that whole stick it's so outside the box it's not even funny uh, but someone brought it up to me at this point I mean I the way I see things happen I can't rule it out 100% maybe there's a 1% chance that's the case but it'll never make sense to me that Cody Rhodes was so adamant about not about how he was treating WWE. I never got a shot. He was just a mid Carter. He was stardust, all this crap. Then goes to new Japan, joins the bullet club. They do all out, you know, um, you know, ask ring of honor to sponsor it. Ring of honor passes. That's funny. Sinclair passes on this, which is idiot. I know we're going off script here, but I love uh, it. it. It took only three episodes for Harry to finally get fired up about something. I should, bring up, I should bring up CM Punk versus Stone Cold more often. I, I, two, two, more, two more minutes. So, so then, you know, we have All Out. Ring of Honor sponsors it to a degree. Let's use it, but they're not interested in buying into it. So then the Bucks and, and Kenny and Cody go to Tony Khan. They get the backing of that, and they start All Elite Wrestling. Right? I mean, so you're telling me a guy that was so passionate about having his own place to go is now going to go take the bag to what Trina Vargas says. Shout out to Trina, uh, our uh, neighborhood potster at iHeart Wrestling. I love her, Chicago uh, native. Uh, so Cody goes and takes his bag to go be in WWE so he can go live out his dream. I'm still mad about it. I'm mad about it. I'm never going to get over it. I don't know how I'm going to get over it. It's just... it. I'm sorry if someone's done you wrong, unless it's like life or death, unless I literally could not feed my family, I am not leaving a movement I built. I'm just not. I mean, sorry. Yeah, that, 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 that. Punk Bear National, if CM Punk shows up in WWE, I'm done with Punk. You know what? I don't want to see Punk show back up in WWE, but just for the sake of this podcast, I want to see him show up. I'm just going to turn the microphone on, say the magic words, welcome to the show, and I'm just going to say, Harry, 
have have at it. I'll be back in 25 minutes. Just let me know when I can press uh, press the stop button. Um, part of me, just as an evil bastard, wants to see it. And for all the viewers of the Banana Nose Circus podcast, we appreciate your passion. And we will be back next week. But as always, check out iHeart Wrestling Facebook group. Check out Harry's group, Wrestling Purist, on Facebook. Check out us on Twitter, Let's Talk AEW. And of course, so the ladies don't kill me, the uh, You Don't Know Jackie View, where talk about the uh, many different shows on TV and getting ready for future seasons of Yellow Jackets. Bad Sisters and Apple Plus just was renewed for a season two. I have no idea what they're going to do when they wrapped up everything in season one. But we talk about that and we talk about a whole bunch of other shows. We'll have a new show, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. We're on a little bit of a hiatus. It's made it easier to go and join Harry on this new venture. I swear if they'll have me back, I'll come do more episodes, I guess, here and there. But definitely check out the You Don't Know Jackie podcast and the You Don't Know Jackie view. Wherever you go and listen to podcasts, give us five stars. Subscribe. We appreciate everything that you guys have done in our short stay on this on this podcasting journey. But also check out Felipe on his podcast, the Total Basis Podcast. I think if he believes that this is all a work that uh, Cody was sent by Vince McMahon to go and create competition, I think you're all freaking crazy. Uh, I didn't say it was Felipe. It was someone on the call. There was like seven of us. So I can't remember which one. So whichever one of you crazy son of a bitches of the seven <laughs> uh, seven dwarfs of professional rock pet, uh, podcasting brought up this stupid <laughs> some nice content for a minute, but you're all you're you're all stupid, and I'm the only smart one left because you know just like Jeff Jarrett, I'm the last outlaw of professional wrestling podcast. Harry, as always, I appreciate you joining me. We'll do this again real soon. The final word is yours, sir. Thanks for having us. Uh, CM Punk, never go WWE. 